Good morning. It is uh, seven minutes after 10 o'clock. Uh, you'd think this whole COVID thing would finally go away, but it's it's not. Uh, the Centers for Disease Control is planning to hold a confidential meeting to address the, quote, developing, uh, to address, uh, quote, developing a public health tool to predict the, the, the virality of, of vaccine misinformation. Uh, the meeting is set to take place March 7th. It was announced on the U.S. government's federal register via notice of closed meeting announcement. The meeting is going to be closed to the public in accordance with the provisions set forth in sections blah, 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 and blah, 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 and blah, 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 uh, attributing the confidentiality of the meeting to decisions by the director of the Strategic Business Initiatives Unit within the office of the chief, chief operating officer of the Centers for Disease Control. These clowns screwed the pooch. These people destroyed the economy. Say what you will, uh, Trump or Biden, it doesn't matter. It is advice from phony Fauci and the CDC that quite literally destroyed the economy. They had people frightened to death that they were all going to die. We were, there was going to be some mass extinction. And all of that, and, and, there's, and now they want to hold secret meetings. But wait, there's more. Now, you know that CNN is not a bastion of conservatism. CNN is anything but. Yet their medical analyst, who's also, by the way, a Washington Post columnist, admitted that these COVID deaths were grossly exaggerated. The New York Post covered the story. Uh, Dr. Wen, her name is uh, Dr. Wen, uh, Dr. Lena, uh, Liana Webb, uh, Wen. She said uh, occasional, uh, she said that when Wen's observations prompted readers on Twitter to complain, stating that it's two and a half years late. She began her column with an apparent skepticism about, about the CDC's latest COVID-19 death stats. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the United States is experiencing around 400 COVID deaths every day. At that rate, there would be nearly 150,000 deaths a year. But are these Americans dying from COVID or with COVID? And, and that's where she, she's really gone astray. Understanding the distinction is crucial in putting the continuing toll of the coronavirus into perspective, determining how likely it is that an infection will result in hospitalization or death helps people weigh their own risk. I mean, we would be seeing some, you know, pretty drastic demand uh, on the healthcare system if this were happening. She spoke to two infectious disease experts who told her they believe the number of deaths attributed to COVID is far greater than the actual number of people dying from COVID. Mentioning the first, she wrote, Robin Drettler, uh, an attending physician, Emory Decatur Hospital, former president of the Georgia Chapter of Infectious Disease Society in America, 
estimates that at his hospital, 90% of patients diagnosed with COVID are actually in the hospital for another reason. 90%. Dredler told the analyst, since every hospital is a, a, a hospitalized patient gets tested for COVID, many are incidentally positive. When noted how people with gunshot wounds and other serious illnesses often test positive for the virus. If these patients die, COVID might get added to their death certificate along with other diagnosis. But the coronavirus was not the primary distributor uh, contributor to their death. May have in fact played no role at all. Dredler admitted this uh, contributed to imprecise reporting. We've been saying this now for three years. When also cited infectious disease physician Shira Doran, who figured out that in recent months, only 30% of hospitalizations with COVID were primarily attributed to the virus in Massachusetts hospitals. So... The CDC, phony Fauci, and the rest convinced governments and health uh, 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 and people like the you know the Boone County Board of Health and and, and and in other cities as well to literally destroy the economy and to literally ruin people's lives. Don't forget, there were landlords who couldn't collect rent. Uh, there were businesses that couldn't open, businesses that went out, went under. They ruined people's lives for what was essentially nothing worse than a flu. Trump was right. Trump's initial offering was, this is just a flu. We're going to, you know, it's going to be fine. He turns out to have been correct. Uh, when recounted Doran's experience at Tufts Medical Center writing during some days, she said the proportion of those hospitalized because of COVID were as low as 10% of the total number reported to have COVID. Well, is that not more reason to distrust big government? When added, Doran acknowledges that there is a gray zone in the data in which COVID might not be the primary cause of death but could have contributed. Toward the end of the piece, when declared to be clear, if the COVID death count turns out to be 30% of what's currently reported, it's still unacceptably high. You could get the flu and come up with numbers that are as bad as this, just a regular flu. Um, an epidemiologist named Dr. Tracy Hogue responded to Wen's piece saying, spring 2021 USA had good evidence. Um, 40%, uh, less than 40% of child COVID admissions were incidental, or more than 40% of child COVID admissions were incidental. Wow, that's a lot of damage because we trusted the government. Don't 
trust the government. They don't have all the answers. All right, uh, speaking of government and health care, anybody see what's going on in Great Britain? You know how we always hear from the political left about that single-payer health care system in, in Great Britain. How's it going over there? Well, I hope my progressive friends are listening because I got some bad news for them. And I'll share it next on The Gary Nolan Show on the Zimmer Radio Network. It is uh, 19 minutes after 10. Glad to have you with us. It is The Gary Nolan Show. You can, by the way, if you are a little phone shy, maybe you're at work and you can't uh, pick up the phone and call, you can send me a message. Just go to GaryNolan.com and it will pop up in studio. Unlike Facebook and Twitter and everything else, you don't have to register. We don't put up cookies. I pay for the website. There is uh, no advertising. You just send me a message, and it'll it'll pop up. I, I just think it's a much easier way to communicate if you can't use the phone. Prefer to hear from you, though. 800-529-5572 or 874-9390. Countless numbers of times, liberals have called this program to tell me and extol the virtues of government-run health care. Something that we are creeping ever so much closer to for the entire republic. And we've already got Medicare and Medicaid, S-CHIP, all these things that uh, have the government providing health care for older, younger, uh, unemployed, etc. Uh, and it narrows the, uh, the uh, opportunities for the, for the private market. And the private market as it is, has to respond to government regulations. The government should have nothing to do with health care. But they always tell us about Great Britain. Oh, the British system. Oh, it's so fabulous. Wall Street Journal has a, a piece, the American left can't seem to quit its desire for a single-payer Medicare for all. So it's worth noting that the United Kingdom, which already has a, symbol, uh, a system resembling the socialist dream, is rethinking it amid another winter of health care misery. Um, the effects of um, on patient care and, and these, because they've now got uh, hospital workers striking, uh, can be lethal. Waiting times for ambulances uh, for the uh, most serious are uh, nearly double. That's the waiting time, nearly doubled in December. Um uh, once patients get to the emergency room, uh, 35% now face waits over four hours uh, between a decision to admit and transfer to an appropriate bed for treatment. Uh, the worst performance since 2010. They're running out of money. Uh, they're constantly struggling to pay. Uh, care is no better for non-emergency patients. As of uh, November, some 7.2 uh, million patients have been referred for treatment but are waiting for it to start. Of those, 2.9 million have been waiting more than 18 weeks. The National Health Service considers itself a success if it starts treatment within that four-month window, which is the epitome of defining failure down. So they are struggling. Uh, one sign of the severity of this year's crisis is that more people are speaking openly about a private option. Britons who can afford uh, who can afford it buy private health insurance, which generally requires them to use the NHS for routine matters 
but lets them skip queues for specialist care, physical therapy, and the like. By the way, when the Canadians were trying to develop their health care system, the Britons, the Brits told them, don't have a two-tiered system. They literally warned them not to have a private health care system because if they do, there would inevitably be comparisons. Anyway, this uh, second uh, better tier of health care is embarrassing in a country where the National Health Service supposed egalitarian, uh, egalitarianism is a point of national pride. Now private care is looking like a solution. Some NHS hospitals are offering patients the option to pay out of pocket for diagnostics or treatments to skip the national health care system. A senior politician in the opposition center-left Labor Party has even suggested that the NHS fund more treatments at private hospitals and clinics using taxpayer money. It doesn't work. Government-run health care doesn't work. And all you have to do is look at our Medicare. You know, the first job you get, you start paying into that health care system. And it's going broke. I mean, it literally is going broke. It is running so... They literally think uh, sometime in the next eight years, it's toast. It is toast. But those lefties, though, they'll call the program and tell me how wonderful it is. And then they have these statistics that are really screwy about how, you know, how, how much better it is than our, our health care system. Our health care system only falters under the weight of government-run health care. The same things that are dragging down the Brits and the Canadians and their health care system is literally dragging us down, too. That's Medicare, Medicaid, and all those other government programs for health care. To the phones we go. Jim is on the line. Jim, welcome. How are you? Good morning. Uh well, a customer of mine is from Great Britain, and uh, he talks about one of the, you know, yes, insurance over here costs a lot, but it's the care is so much better. And the one thing he finds amazing is that wards versus individual rooms. And so if you go to Great Britain, quite often you're going to be put into a giant ward with where, you know, all the men are all the ladies or all the, you know, young boys or young girls, they're all in great big wards. So they can cut dramatically the number of nurses and doctors treating people. And so, and then in America, though, everybody has an, in, you know, at most you have one person in your sharing a room with you. Yeah, and it's rare uh, to find a room with more than one, more than two. Yeah. Yes. And then, and, but I, of anybody that I've discussed this with, find if that was what national health care was going to have, was going to be a ward, I haven't run across anybody that's under the, that's over the age of 30 that thinks that's a good idea. They all want to keep the same system. So I think it'd be an interesting question to ask people. Are they in favor of the ward? Yeah, I, 
I can't imagine that anybody would call and say, yeah, I'd like to be sick in a room full of other people who are sick. Yes. I mean, it's it's not like mass. Yeah. It's it's a whole different world. Yeah. All right, Jim, so, thank thanks. you for the input. Glad to have thanks you on the Gary Nolan him. Show. Uh, yeah. who? I mean, who wants to be sick uh, with, uh, you know, 11 other people in a big room full of, uh, you know, other sick people? It just, nobody does. The secret to effective, inexpensive health care is for you to buy your own insurance. If the government didn't do anything, if they just suddenly said, we're not regulating it, we're not engaged in it, we're not giving anybody a tax break here or a tax break there or, or making your employer provide it, you go out and buy your insurance. You take care of your own health care. The prices would fall through the floor. Healthcare would become incredibly affordable. And charitable healthcare would become much more affordable. You'd be able to provide better healthcare for the indigent because the cost of producing it would be so much less. You'd have greater opportunities for people to get better healthcare. Just and, and, and understand, just having insurance, just having Medicaid doesn't mean that they're getting good health care. There's a difference between having insurance and having health care. And right now, we're driving up prices, driving down quality, limiting the ability to innovate. The government regulates every aspect of it. And we've seen what a, what an abysmal failure they've been. We see what how it's failing in the in Canada and it's failing in Great Britain. And yet the left keep pushing for it. Like somehow if we do it, it'll work out here. We'll do it in such a way that it it'll it'll work. Well, it won't. You know, it, it may work for a year or two, but when people catch on, uh, then it's going to start struggling. And the answer is so simple. Just get the government out of it. Just get the government out of it. Prices would plummet. Because you would be paying for much of your own health care out of your own pocket. Here's what, here's what would happen. Unless you were exceedingly wealthy or perhaps foolish, you would buy critical care health insurance. You'd buy something that will cover the really, really big expenses. But little things you'd pay for out of pocket. And hospitals would have to cater to that. And they would have to make it affordable. And still have quality. And so they would compete for your tax dollars, or I'm sorry, for your health care dollars. Better outcomes, less money, faster treatment. Everything on every level would improve. We're headed in the wrong direction. And we're getting hemmed in by Medicare and Medicaid and all these other health care rules and regulations. Your call's coming up right after the news on The Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. This is The Gary Nolan Show. It is uh, 1035. 
You know what? While we're talking uh, both Wall Street Journal and big government and uh, its uh, its problems, they had another piece there that I thought was worthy of note. It was about Pete Buttigieg and his big airline glitch. Uh, there's a very uh, telling uh, line in this story. Uh, only a couple of weeks ago, Transportation Secretary Buttigieg roasted uh, Southwest Airlines for problems that led to thousands of canceled flights. Yet, uh, Buttigieg was no model of contrition Wednesday after airlines were grounded nationwide uh, by a mega meltdown at the agencies uh, at the agency that he oversees. And uh, you all recall that uh, all the planes were grounded uh, because they couldn't get information about, you know, uh, I think it's NOTAM, uh, NOTAM uh, the NOTAM system uh, that tells them, you know, it's safe to take off. Uh, if a taxiway is closed or, uh, you know, for maintenance or whatever. And, and it crashed. That whole system went down. Um, and it has a, a ripple effect for days uh, because planes couldn't take off. Here's what I found interesting in the story. Some airlines, including JetBlue and Delta, believed that operations could continue despite the NOTAM outage According to Journal Report, uh, pilots say the effort, the alerts are uh, irrelevant, unintelligible, and JetBlue reportedly developed a backup system because of past NOTAM outage. So the private marketplace responded to the government failures with a system of their own. So... What's going to happen here is the government failure will result in a demand for more money. They will demand more money. Instead of letting, uh, you know, JetBlue, uh, whose system seems to work, uh, and apparently uh, to the pilots uh, uh, works better, we are instead going to increase funding to the FAA. Oh, we'll hang a few people out to dry. We'll grouse about how we, you know, we gave them money, but they didn't accomplish this. But the private marketplace not only could have accomplished it, but did. They did. JetBlue developed a backup system because they knew that the government system wasn't dependable. Uh, the, the FAA's ground stop lasted two hours, caused more than 1,300 flights across the country to be canceled, and at least 9,700 to be delayed. Uh, the agency blamed for the outage on a corrupted, uh, they blamed it on a corrupted database file, which I find rather hard to swallow. Uh, but given the importance of their mission at the FAA, that's just not an excuse. Why did they not have a couple of backups? I, I don't understand. It's because, I guess I do understand, it's because the government is running it. If glitches happen all the time, they, it writes the Wall Street Journal, why doesn't the FAA have redundancies? Canada has a system uh, operated by a nonprofit, experienced uh, apparently unrelated problems Wednesday, but planes there... We're able to keep flying. 
because it's a private organization that runs their version of the NOTAM system. Our responsibility is to make sure that everybody is safe and we're always going to err on the side of safety. That's a quote from Buttigieg. Buttigieg. Uh, But the FAA's antiquated systems have been creating headaches for quite a while. Congress, back in 2003, mandated that they implement a next-generation modernization plan by 2025. They gave them money for the upgrades. But they haven't made much progress. We've argued for years, writes the Wall Street Journal, that Congress should transfer air traffic control and related systems to a private entity like Canada did in 1996. It would provide more accountability, meaning that the, uh, that uh, aging systems would get modernized faster. Unlike airlines, the FAA doesn't have to pay a price for their follow-ups. When problems with Southwest's outdated scheduling software uh, made them cancel all those uh, flights at Christmas, Pete Buttigieg threatened to punish the airline and insisted it fully refund passengers. When the government's at fault, airlines and travelers are just out of luck. So if you were traveling when they shut down NOTAM and you couldn't get to a business meeting and lost a million dollars, you just lost it. If you couldn't get where you wanted to go and make a connection because the government system failed, well, you're screwed. That's the problem with government running programs. When they screw the pooch, they're screwing you. And there's not much you can do about it. That's why the private marketplace does these things so much better. The FAA a year ago threatened to ground flights if wireless uh, uh, carriers turned on 5G uh, C-band spectrum near airports. They claimed the 5G signals could potentially interfere with plane altimeters that measure the distance from the ground. The Federal Communications Commission disagreed when it authorized the 5G deployment from 20 months earlier, and the FAA didn't raise concerns until weeks before the spectrum was set to go live. Wireless carriers ultimately agreed to pause part of their rollout. The FAA on Wednesday gave airlines until February 2024 to retrofit their altimeters, which estimated uh, cost would be around $26 million. Fraction of the $80 billion that wireless carriers paid for the C-band spectrum, as well as the cost of the two-year delay. Will the FAA compensate them? No. We rely on, we, we, for some reason, have been hoodwinked into believing that the government is going to do all these things better than the private marketplace, not recognizing that there's no accountability. The free market has accountability. You screw up. I mean, how many of you within the sound of my voice are going to fly southwest uh, over the next holiday break? You won't unless you understand or are made aware that they have fixed their problems and it won't happen again. And many of you, even after, after hearing that, are going to be leery and try a different carrier. 
that's the pre that's the free market punishing Southwest for their own ineptitude. But nobody will punish the government. They'll just get more money. Because that's the way it works. That's the way it works. Uh, 874-9390, toll-free numbers 800-529-5572. Jared says, anyone that supports government-run health care for all can take a trip with me to my next VA appointment. It's terrifying to know uh, if I get cancer or some other serious disease, that's the only care I will have. By the way, I, I just want you to know, I am not attacking the health care, uh, the, the, the um, VA care in Columbia. I'm told by uh, several that it is very good. But overall, it's a problem. And, you know, we'd be better off just giving them a, a check or letting them pick the health care plan they want. And, and let them go to whatever hospital they choose. Competition is a great thing. Uh, Ralph says, uh, the reason all air traffic control was grounded with the NOTAMS outage is because it was a cyber attack. The similar safeguards in Canada and Great Britain went down at approximately the same time. Uh, the difference is, uh, Ralph, that... Uh, the Canadians were right back up again. It was the Americans that, that were shut down. Uh, and I tend to agree with you. I think it was a cyber attack. I think somebody was trying to create havoc. We'll never know for sure. Because the government will never tell you. Norton LifeLock has been hacked. And uh, some really faulty studies on transgender exposed. Those stories coming up next on the Gary Nolan Show. It's the Zimmer Radio Network. It is 10.50. Glad to have you with us. 874-9390-800-529-5572. I want to do one more piece out of the Wall Street Journal, if you don't mind, because it is something that I've hit on a bazillion times. Um, but it just makes the case so, so well. Uh, it says, moving to Ohio doesn't make you a bad plumber. Ohio has a shortage of plumbers. The job has an average salary of about $60,000. That's 20% more than the typical worker makes in the Buckeye State. Some Ohio plumbers make a hundred grand, six figures, uh, which goes pretty far in a state where the cost of living is among the lowest in the nation. They go on to say that on New Year's Day, the governor, uh, his name is DeWine, signed a universal licensing recognition bill. Um, it covers roughly 650 professions uh, and accounts for one in five jobs that require workers to get an occupational license. Uh, getting the government's permission to, to do these jobs uh, is usually some combination of education and training uh, and uh, would-be license holders uh, have to uh, almost always pay the state for the privilege of working. A licensed plumbing contractor or preschool teacher or barber who moves to Ohio from another state, they won't have to endure that burden. They won't have to go through that bureaucratic process to get re-licensed. 
Even if they'd already gone through another state's licensing system, Ohio demanded that they do it again, but not anymore. With universal licensing recognition, if you check the right boxes in another state and meet basic standards for public safety, you get to work in Ohio without going through all that bureaucratic nonsense. According to the Institute for Justice, the average Ohio license uh, in lower income industries costs 145 bucks, takes 270 days to get, uh, and for plumbing contractors, the damage is 138 along with two exams uh, with a further requirement that applicants have five years of experience. Why would someone who can already do the job move to Ohio and endure those demands? You get a driver's license in Springfield and decide you're going to drive into Illinois. They don't stop you at the border and make you take a driving test. Your license is good, and you can go on through to Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania, all the way to the ocean without getting another license. Why would that be any different for any other profession? And understand, I don't think the government should license any profession. I don't. If you're a doctor, if you're an attorney, I don't care. The government shouldn't license you. All the government is doing is limiting your alternatives, driving up your prices, and securing high prices and great rewards for those who jump through the hoops. You should have private organizations giving an endorsement. We're the American Medical Association. We think Dr. Smith does a terrific job. He's met all these requirements. He's got our seal of approval if you're looking for a great orthodontist or whatever, he's the guy to go to. He's one of the most qualified. That's what they should be doing. You don't see an endorsement, you're leery. You can't afford, you know, to go to an endorsed doctor, but you heard somebody does a really good job at whatever it is you need, you might take the risk. Don't need the government to make that happen. And... You have an added benefit. Remember we were talking about how the, the FAA is going to get more money and uh, how uh, uh, CDC is going to get more money. Every time they fail, they get more money. If the private marketplace makes a mistake and endorses someone that is unqualified, they don't make more money. They lose money. That's incentive to do the job right. Uh, Rick on Plumbing. Rick, welcome. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Although I disagree with you about licensing of professional construction people, I didn't know if you knew that there are three rules in all 50 states for plumbers, and they are Friday is payday, things run downhill, and don't bite your fingernails. Oh, <laughs> but you disagree with me on the rest of it. Oh, you, you ran. Oh, damn. That was very humorous. I thought it was very funny. Yeah, don't bite your finger. Oh, God. Oh, I don't even want to go there. Uh, all right. Uh, 874-9390. Toll free is 800-529-5572. Uh, we've got uh, one story that I want to get to. I'm going to get to this thing about the transgender stuff because the, the studies are absolutely, totally, methodologically faulty.
I mean, they are absolutely not to be depended upon. And I will highlight the problem with those studies. Also, <clears throat> the new owner of Miss Universe is a guy that thinks he's a woman. He, he's a transgender. We'll get into that. Uh, but first, how many of us have Norton on our computers? Uh, how many of you have LifeLock? You think of Norton as the, you know, the group to go to to keep your stuff from being hacked. You don't want you don't want uh, somebody to get into your computer and steal all your information, your credit card numbers, and things like that. So you get Norton or or Life Norton on your on your computer and LifeLock to protect you. Well, it turns out. Norton LifeLock says thousands of customer accounts were breached. Again, in the private marketplace, you might see this and go, I think I'll try McAfee or somebody else's system. Thousands of Norton LifeLock customers had their accounts compromised in recent weeks, potentially allowing criminal hackers access to customer password managers uh, according to the company, they revealed this in a recent data breach notice. Um, Gen Digital, the parent company of Norton LifeLock, said the likely culprit was credential stuffing attack, where previously exposed or breached credentials are used to break into accounts on different sites and services that share the same passwords, rather than a compromise of its systems. That's why two-factor authentication, uh, which Norton LifeLock offers, is recommended as it blocks attackers from accessing someone's account with just their password. Now I'm thinking, I wonder if, if I've been, uh, if I've been hacked. Chris, you, do you have Norton on your computer? Who do you have? Um, uh, what do I have? Uh, I don't even, is it just Windows Defender? It just might, <laughs> it just might be Windows Defender or like Malwarebytes or something. Wow. Um. I don't know. Something free, that's for sure. Something free. There you go. Uh, and that's and that's okay. The company said it found that uh, the intruders had compromised accounts as far back as December 1st, close, uh, close to two weeks before the system detected a large volume of failed logins to customer accounts on December 12th. In accessing your account with your username and password, the unauthorized third party may have viewed your first name last name, phone number, and mailing address. Wow. That's dangerous. All right, the transgender studies that are absolutely faulty, defective. Coming up, Gary Nolan, Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show. 